This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you... Well, you can maybe have some if you have a frozen yogurt place near you. And this episode is not oh, about wait, frozen it's yogurt. Not about- it's about soft serve. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> no, no. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Okay. Uh, you. Oh, I'm glad you said that because the the distinction is subtle. It is subtle, so subtle, in fact, that I don't even know it. <laughs> no, let's. Yeah, we'll get into this for sure. Okay. But this episode is about soft serve, and like, I'm I'm glad we're talking about this because I had some really good soft serve this week. Really? Yeah. I was I was surprised with soft serve by wife of the show Lori. Oh my gosh. That's how, that's how we keep the the flame or like the cold flame burning. Um wait a minute, were you like at home and wife of the show Lori came home with soft surf because I don't think of it as being something that transports. Agreed and it was so much better than that. Oh. Uh so we were out for a walk for our uh, for our daily constitutional. Uh-huh. Uh and uh and Lori said, "Why don't we walk an extra block down 15th and stop at Spice Walla and see what their current soft serve flavor is?" Ooh, and what was it? Well, here's what happened. It said that it was pistachio, like pistachio cardamom saffron, which sounded great. The sign was wrong. It was actually coffee, which oh. was even better. Oh, yeah. Like coffee soft serve. So good. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I like the idea of pistachio cardamom but I think of saffron as having a tiny bit of a shrimp flavor. It does. And I don't know if I want that in my soft serve. But let's get into what this stuff is, because I'm looking at our the memory lane portion of our agenda here, Matthew, and I'm realizing that um, everything I've written down, I think, may be frozen yogurt. No, I not confirm that Whirl-A-Whip, not to spoil your Whirl-A-Whip, that okay. is soft serve. OK, great. OK, so let's let's go down memory lane. And yeah. along the way, maybe a definition will fall out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just walking along and something falls out. Yeah, OK. OK. All right. So um, when I was a kid, I remember. So along May Avenue, where everything happens in Oklahoma City, right. everything that doesn't happen on Western Avenue okay. or Pennsylvania. I thought everything just happened at Brahms. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> OK. On May Avenue near 63rd, there was a strip shopping center. Everybody, it's ne- it's near like where Ted's Escondido is now. OK. OK. But anyway, it was a strip shopping center and it had in it a place that sold fresh pasta. And this was a 
big deal in the late 80s Absolutely. and early 90s. Yeah. Really big deal. And Remember when there was like briefly like the sense of like, we're not going to have dry pasta anymore. We've moved on to fresh pasta. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we were so dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My parents, of course, were very excited about this fresh pasta place. I was very excited about the storefront in the same strip shopping center called Whirla Whip. Mm-hmm. Uh, spelled W-H-I-R-L-A. New word, whip. Whirl whip. <laughs> new, um, new world whip. And uh, they had, it, it was my first encounter, I think, with soft serve, with ice cream that came out of a machine when you pulled like a lever. Oh, yeah. I remember having some sort of cookies and cream or Oreo flavor. Yes. Uh, and of course, when you get that kind of flavor out of a soft serve machine, it's not going to have like chunks in it. Right. So the like little specks of whatever cookie were in there were tiny and really well distributed. Okay. And I just remember loving it. And that was my first encounter with soft serve. And it was very positive. Okay. So I have always loved soft serve. Uh, I used to go to Dairy Queen when I was a kid. If I could get away with it, I would order a peanut butter parfait. If not, I would get a cone, maybe a dipped cone or a blizzard. But all those things involve soft serve. In Japan, uh, they soft serve is very popular. It's called soft cream there, mm. uh, and uh, there's a brand called. That, that's a better name. It soft is cream. right. Yeah, as opposed to like ice cream, soft cream. Yeah. Oh, right. I like that. Yeah, okay. which implies that there's hard cream, but also I guess soft serve implies that there's hard serve. Do they have soft serve at Brahms? Um. No way to find out. Nope, there's no way to find out. <laughs> um, so in Japan, there's a brand called Kremia that's like a high-fat soft serve that's super creamy and good. And you kind of see it in random places. Like there'll be a sign for it, like how there'll be a sign for for like Kronos Euros at a sandwich place. Or like suddenly a sign for Dippin' Dots somewhere suddenly random. Suddenly Dippin' Dots, yeah, the ice cream of the future. Well, Kremia <laughs> is really the ice cream of the future. They have it at uh, at the international terminal at Narita Airport is probably where I've had it the most times. Super why, good. Why didn't you tell me? Uh, because like I, some things I just got to keep for myself. Do you I remember don't know. The, when we went to Tokyo together, just the two of us, and we thought there was going to be a, a kombini at Narita Airport? Yeah, it was and very there, sad. there wasn't one, and you didn't even give me the consolation prize of a Kremia. We, we might not have even been in the same terminal with the Kremia. If I if I'd seen the Kremia. I would have I would have told you. Okay, thank you. I'm not I'm not really like a like a, a Kremia concealer. Okay. <laughs> um and more recently uh soft serve at Spicewalla and uh, Milk Drunk down on Be- in Beacon Hill, yep. uh Pastry Project a summer soft serve in Pioneer Square and I am excited this weekend for Watzel's birthday. We're going up to Bellingham. We're going to hang out with Tots D, teenager of the show December, who will only be a teenager for a few more months. At the dining hall, assuming we're we are uh, allowed to use one of their guest meals at the dining hall, there is an Edeline Dairy soft serve machine that is so good. Like I remember when December Wait, what got. What is Edeline Dairy? It is a Bellingham local, you know, ice cream company. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and their soft serve is super good, and uh, it's just like you know, the classic uh, chocolate, vanilla, or swirl. There's so much good stuff in Bellingham. When when Brandon and I got married there, I remember like all of our friends in Seattle were like, why are you getting married in Bellingham? Because it's nice. But it's nice up there. And it's like not as big as Seattle. And they've got really good food. Yeah, especially really good desserts for some reason. Yes, yes. Okay, but so Matthew, a definition still hasn't fallen out because no, I've been okay. looking for it. So, so first of all, one thing I was wondering is: is soft serve the same as when you take regular hard ice cream and smoosh it with a spoon until it turns into soup, which I used to do as a kid and still do quite often? 
it's not the same. That's right. Um, so soft serve is a usually dairy dessert that is lower in milk fat than ice cream, and it is dispensed from a special machine. You know the handle. You know the sound it makes when you pull the handle, and you know the swirly shape. It is dispensed at a temperature of about negative uh, 4 Celsius, which is like 25 degrees Fahrenheit, compared to a hard ah. ice cream, which is which is served at closer to zero Fahrenheit. Oh, so it is warmer than, than hard ice cream, and Matthew, that's one reason it's smoother. I find it really problematic that here on the agenda, <laughs> I know, you, I know what you're you going to say. One in Celsius and one in Fahrenheit. This is not done. No, so ch- choose one or I, the other. I've been censured by the uh, by uh, pack. Is that is that okay, the wait, organization? So, so like negative four Celsius is around twenty five Fahrenheit. I'm correcting this on my agenda. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, okay. So if, hold on, just hypothetically. Yeah. I love hypotheticals. So if you were to freeze soft serve stuff, the way that one freezes. Oh, that's a good question. Like regular hard pack ice cream. Would you wind up with the same stuff? I mean, you're starting with something really different I in mean, the case of soft serve, somewhat right? Somewhat different. So I think you, what you would end up with, honestly, is what we used to call ice milk. Do oh, you remember this uh, yes, term? It's like yes. low-fat ice cream. I don't think it would be very good. Okay. Like, it wouldn't be terrible, but okay. it wouldn't be as good as a hard ice cream. Like, it has to be prepared in a particular way using the magic machine. Yeah, which, okay. Which has real magic. Well, let's talk about about how the magic machine and the stuff that goes into it uh, combine to make soft serve. Okay, so you you put a a liquid base into the machine, and the the base can be made from a powdered mix or like a, a UHT pasteurized uh, uh, liquid base or a refrigerated base. Mm-hmm. If you find soft serve in kind of an unlikely place, like a convenience store or mm. a state fair, that is probably being made with the powdered base which is usually non-dairy and not like you know can, can be good in like a junk foodie sort of way but it's not going to be as good what do you think it it's made from uh it, like coffee creamer kind of stuff like oh. like you know poly poly sorbates S- and space stuff. age polymers space age polymers yeah okay when i worked at um celestial smoothies yes <laughs> we had a soft serve machine because <laughs> that's how we would get it, like frozen yogurt or soft serve or something into the smoothies and i remember that our mix came in like a half gallon milk carton what are you laughing about? Um, okay, so this is not going to be worth the time to get to the joke. But remember on, on Seinfeld one time, um, Poland Spring and some other bottled water company merged into Molin Spring. And the joke was that it was a funny name. No. I'm imagining Celestial Smoothies merging with Celestial Seasonings Tea <laughs> and becoming Celestial Smoothenings. And <laughs> <laughs> just like that's the name, deal with it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So sorry, you were working okay. at Celestial Smoothies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Well, anyway, we had you know like a, a mix that was in a carton, and you would just pour it in. Yeah. So when when uh, when wife of the show Lori worked at Dairy Queen, uh, which she did as a teenager, but like still talks about it all the time and made a big impression. They they got the mix in refrigerated plastic bags inside cardboard boxes and would like two people would carefully yep. dump it into the machine. I find it a little sad that like, I mean, so many foods that I love could not be made at home. 
You know, yeah, so many were- foods that I love. But I do find it a little bit of a bummer that something as delicious as soft serve literally cannot be created. Well, at no, home. I'm glad you brought that up because, first of all, I, I'm getting you a commercial soft serve machine for your birthday. Oh, really? <laughs> you have to do all the upkeep and uh, pay for the electricity uh, yourself. <laughs> there is a Cuisinart brand home soft serve machine. I can't imagine it's that yeah. good. Like, I feel like you really need like very seems- like industrial strength temperature control. That seems really gimmicky yeah. too. It's like, you know, when you get a panini press and you're into paninis for like two months. <laughs> we held on to our panini press for so many years after it made its last panini. Uh, yeah, no, that's just dumb. like looking over like, you know, I could might get back into paninis sometime. It hasn't happened yet. Nope. Nope. So the key to the whole thing is that the soft serve machine freezes the base to the proper proper temperature extremely quickly. And the faster you freeze your ice cream and the more it's like in motion while getting frozen, the smoother it's going to be because there's less opportunity for crystals to form. And crystals are our enemy. And so this is why uh, ice cream made with liquid nitrogen is so smooth. Yes. Do you remember there was a party once at Delancey where former spouse of the show, Brandon, made liquid nitrogen ice cream like in in a Cuisinart, uh, in a KitchenAid? This was literally my past life, Matthew. I know. uh, I feel like you've reminded me of this recently and it doesn't sound any more familiar this time. I feel like it was either like... Was it my baby shower? It may have been a baby shower for June. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe this sounds like something that Brandon would have briefly yeah, been. It was into. so good. Like I, I remember it because the ice cream was so good. Like I was skeptical because he was literally just like putting some some ice cream base in a in a KitchenAid mixer, dumping in some liquid nitrogen, and mixing it up. It works. It's so good. Well, there was a place in San Francisco for a while. Yes. Do you remember that you it's would go in Smitten? Ah, okay, and Love maybe that it's place. still Might there. Still be there. Okay. You know, it's interesting that that, at least as far as I know, liquid nitrogen ice cream never really took off. I wonder if it doesn't hold very well in pints or if it yeah, kind of loses no, I think its it has magic. To, be to order. And like the same with soft serve. Like you don't buy a pint of soft serve and take it home because like it doesn't hold and there's no way to store it at the right temperature, even if it did. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah. So, I mean, that's why that, that place in San Francisco is so good is because they're making the ice cream to order. And that's true of soft serve also. Like the ice cream is literally being made as it's being dispensed. Literally. 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 Okay. So So let's talk about history. Yeah. It seems like this is a food that really required some engineering in order to be possible. So So how did this happen? Let's turn to, to our friends at Wikipedia and find out. So this is a quote from Wikipedia. Charles Taylor of Buffalo, New York, patented an automatic ice cream maker in 1926 that is reported to be the first soft serve ice cream machine. His Taylor company continues to manufacture the McDonald's ice cream machine, which we will talk about later. This may not be the highest praise for the Taylor company. Okay. All right. More so wait, from Wikipedia. Wait, this yes. was 1926. 1926. He made so, an automatic ice cream. Yeah. So, but we don't maker. really have any evidence that people were consuming okay. soft serve in the form that we think of it today during the 20s. That happened. 
it later. Okay. Over Memorial Day weekend of 1934, Tom Carvel, the founder of the Carvel brand and franchise, suffered a flat tire in his ice cream truck in Hartsdale, New York. He pulled into a parking lot and began selling his melting ice cream to vacationers driving by. Within two days, he had sold his entire supply of ice cream and concluded that both a fixed location and soft, as opposed to hard, frozen desserts were potentially good business ideas. Huh. I love this because it sounds like he was saying, you know, I've been selling hard food in random places, but what the people really want (laughs) is soft food that they can find. (laughs) Which, that's true. That does sound like good business. Yeah, yeah. I'm also interested that it took two days for him to sell his entire supply of ice cream. That it sounds, right. I mean, it it was like, it was, must have been really hot, right? New York, Memorial (laughs) Day. So, yeah, it sounds like his refrigeration had failed. And like, so by day two, he's like, you know, dispensing like ice cream from a hose. <laughs> but people loved it people because loved they it love because soft they food in predictable like, places. Okay, you know, yeah, this is <laughs> this ice cream is like 88 <laughs> degrees, but at least I know where to find it. Okay. Uh, uh, and then freezers were invented. Then freezers were and then invented. people came to like hard things. Again. Also in predictable places. Yeah. Freezers. Yeah. <laughs> you no. know where to I know where to find hard things in predictable places. Um <laughs> that was your worst one yet. Okay, wait, hold on. So all right. Uh so Dairy Queen enters the picture soon. Dairy Queen enters the picture in nineteen thirty eight. So the thirties, the depression was really like the birth of soft surf. But the, the early soft serve had very low overrun. And overrun refers to the amount of air that gets whipped into ice cream. Yep. And modern soft serve has fairly high overrun, and that is a good thing. It has better texture, and you can eat more of it before you get full. Mm-hmm. So back to Wikipedia. In the 1960s, ice cream machine manufacturers introduced mechanized air pumps into vending machines, providing better aeration. First to do so being the Danish ice, ice cream shop owner, Johannes Lorsen, who in his travel to, travel to Italy, discovered that using an aquarium pump into the soft ice was more Ooh. successful at making it lighter and thereby enhancing the taste. Oh. So we got some real mad science going on. Okay. Uh, wow. Back to Wikipedia. Unfortunately, he wasn't very quiet by his recent discovery and his ideas were stolen by an Italian ice cream maker who got most of the credit, but Johannes Larsen was still recognized and was awarded a gold pen for his discovery. <laughs> what a consolation prize. A gold pen. Yeah, I um, I gave you a pen just before we started recording <laughs> today, gold. but it was not a gold pen, and I see, I see you looking at me like, I can't believe you didn't give me a gold pen. Hold on. I'm like so, there, there's so much globetrotting going on here. Yeah. So hold up. Yep. We've got these guys in the States. We've got the automatic ice cream maker guy in Buffalo. We've got Tom Carvel in Hartsdale, New York. We've got a Danish guy in Italy who is putting aquarium pumps <laughs> yeah, into yeah. like ice cream bases. And then an Italian ice cream maker steals the idea and presumably maybe like the Italian people gave Johannes Lorsen a pen. I imagine it was what? the Danish people who gave Larson the, the gold pen because I imagine like the Italian authorities would claim the, the discovery for themselves. But oh, I don't right. know. That might be an unfair characterization. Okay. this is It doesn't say who so... the Italian ice cream maker was. It doesn't say who gave Larson the gold pen. This could all be completely made up. I think that, um, Matthew, this is, this is going to be like the foundational story for 
your next novel. You're going to get back into writing. I'm going to get back into novel writing and it's going to be like a a corporate intrigue, like Jeffrey Archer kind of book about the soft ice cream industry. I can't wait to read the scene where he puts the aquarium pump into the ice cream base. (laughs) Oh, yes. I want you to write it in exquisite detail. Like, I want to know how he... In erotic detail. I want to know how he cleaned the algae off the pump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there was an actual fish caught in I want to see him inserting the Q-tip into the tubing. (laughs) Did they, had Q-tips been invented? Yeah, they must have been, right? I don't know. Q-tips must be, I feel like are like a, uh, you know, turn of the century pharmacy kind of thing, as my guess. I have no idea. I feel like people were playing around with cotton balls a lot back then and sticks. And apothecary bottles. They Mm -hmm. had to have ways to get things out of the bottles. Okay, so speaking of things that are made up, back to Wikipedia, quote, it is a common myth that during the late (laughs) 1940s, future UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher worked briefly as a chemist for a food manufacturer, Jay Lyons & Co., at a time when the company had partnered with the United States distributor Mr. Softy and was developing a soft serve recipe that was compatible with the American machines. However, so it turns out that uh, Thatcher may have worked at Lyons but was not involved in inventing soft serve so you do not have to worry about having mixed feelings about Margaret Thatcher's contributions to society or lack thereof. Thank goodness. All right. So we have a guest on the show today. Did you know this? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's bring on our guest uh, who wrote an amazing article for Eater about uh, the soft serve renaissance in New York. And then uh, when we get back, we'll talk about some more of our our own bullshit. Fantastic. So we should also say that we recorded this interview at a previous date and Matthew's audio was a little messed up. I feel like you're putting me on blast. I am putting you on blast. For good reason. So if if you notice that Matthew's audio sounds pretty bad, but that's why. But the good why. news is I'm not the guest. That's and right. And the guest sounds buttery smooth. Oh, he does. Take it away. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. John Sung, welcome to Spilled Milk. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. All right. So we we always start our show with a segment called Memory Lane, and we want to hear about your soft serve memory lane. Did you grow up eating soft serve? Like, uh, you know, what were your early soft serve experiences? It's a great question. I, I grew up in, in Hong Kong and Taiwan where there wasn't much soft serve until I was about 10. And then we moved to Texas in Houston. And next door to us was it Baskin Robbins, which is not soft serve. But so our first memories was ice cream, ice cream. And then we would go to the state, the city fair or the rodeo, um, which is a big deal in Texas. All right. Yeah. (laughs) And they would have that like truck with the swirl with the comb that always cuts your teeth and your gums because it's got that weird grid in the middle. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And because it's like 100 degrees in February in Texas, it's not that cool that hot but it's pretty hot yes the stuff melts like you wouldn't believe so that was my first introduction to soft serve and i was like 
you know, I kind of love this. It's a race, like ice cream headache or a puddle of sticky stuff on your hand. How do you deal with that? Um, so that was my first memory of going to the rodeo and getting soft serve. Oh my God. It was your first rodeo. <laughs> it was, you know, like, sorry, I had to, I had to. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I remember those those cake cones with the grid at the oh, bottom, the like like eating down to the bottom and then like handing the stump like to my <laughs> mom or dad. <laughs> totally. They're like so light and wafer like and yet artificial. Yes. Did you right away have sort of a special place in your heart for soft serve? Do you have a particular interest in it over and above scooped ice cream? Is it a particular <sighs> oh, craving? Man. This is hard because... As, as one does, as one's taste buds mature, one changes one's mind. I would have said maybe like 10 years ago, ice cream number one. Okay. Right. But then, uh, not only having done this map where I tasted like 30 some, it was so much soft serve. I discovered kakigori, which is the Japanese shaved ice. Y'all, y'all may know that. And oh, it's yes. a little bit like Hawaiian shaved ice. And then they'll often put soft serve in it. And where I live in New York, there's all kinds of variations of that. It's so good. And there's so many great variations of soft serve. It used to be in Texas, you would just get the vanilla or the chocolate. And then right. like in the New York and you would go to Ray's candy store, which has been around forever, and you would get pistachio or Oreo, but mm. they would all still be kind of, you, you know that maybe it's not really pistachio, um, but it's still awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then like you go to Japan and I think Matthew wrote something about living in Japan or Tokyo and eating through Tokyo. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. And Molly and I have traveled to Japan together a couple of times also. Perfect. You know, kakigori, they put sometimes put soft serve or if you have um, the, the Korean version, bingsu, they do the same yeah. thing. So now I'm like, I think I'm, soft serve might, might have the edge. It might be my Rolling Stones over the Beatles phase. Yeah, it is that kind of thing. Like neither, neither option is bad. No, it's like pizza. Yeah. Okay. So you wrote you wrote this uh, this article called 13 Swirly Soft Serves in NYC that uh, like, you know, uh, we live in Seattle. And so like, uh, I'm like scrolling through this, like, you know, like, I can't try this one. And I can't try this mm-hmm. one. And I can't try this one. Like, I'm going to get to New York at some back to New York <laughs> at some point. But uh, so first of all, like, how many did you taste to narrow it down to to, thir- to 13? And like, what are what were a couple of your favorites? I pulled up the list because I thought you might ask this question. So I actually this is a weird, like confessional thing. I went to 25 places. And that means okay. for every one of the 25, I would have to have more than one flavor, because, you know, because how can one represent an entire over of, of a master chef, soft serve maker with just one flavor? So 25 times, at least two, sometimes three. That's like, what, 70 flavors in a week? Yeah. Yeah. That was a oh, lot. This, okay, this, wait, this raises an important question. Like, yes. do, you, do you lean toward an individual flavor or the swirl? Okay, so it depends. It depends. Sometimes these saucers come with all kinds of other toppings and accoutrement, in which right. case you have to go, you know, like the sundae or the variation, and then you have to go for whatever that is. And often it's one flavor of soft serve with other things on top, like mochi if you're Japanese or like tahini if you're seeded mill. So then I'll go for the single. Otherwise, I, I kind of like the swirl, but then you kind of run into the problem of usually this one flavor you can taste and the other one you have no idea what it is because, you know, <laughs> It's kind of, it's like, mm-hmm. it, right. yeah. So I tend to go for pure, but my both budget and also just the shame of tossing that much soft serve away meant that I often would just get a swirl and try to taste each side separately. Right. Yeah. I was like, can you, I know it's one cone, but can you just like 
don't swirl it. Just just drop two sides, so yeah. two mini cones <laughs> in one cone for me. What were some of your favorites, either from the eater piece or not? So I have several favorites. There's one called Seated Mill, and they're a vegan. I, I tend to be a purist. I think sometimes vegan, especially if they use oat milk or even soy sometimes, it just has an interesting different aftertaste. And if you're a fan of that, that's great. If you're used to the sort of yeah. classic, it's, it's sort of surprising seeded mills vegan soft serve is amazing they also carry i think it's from israel halva and so they're this halva tahini drizzle vegan oh yeah soft serve sundae that is awesome it's insanely sweet which is if you can't tell from my last name i'm chinese and our favorite expression for a compliment for a dessert is it's not too sweet so seeded mill right. is on the very sweet side for me but it's amazing it is truly amazing two other ones that i i want to kind of holler out one is definitely cha and bonbon which is a japanese shop they have absolutely amazing japanese the soft serve is usually matcha or sesame but then they'll just put mochi and other kinds of Japanese confection on top of it until it's sort of this unwieldy mess. And it takes, for some reason, given it's soft, so you think it'd be fast. It takes like 15 minutes for them to prepare this thing. So you really have to <laughs> take your moment What are order they doing? It. I know, it just takes forever, but it's, it's wonderful. Right. I don't want to pick too many favorites. There are lovely ones in Manhattan, but to pick one in Brooklyn, there's one place called Leo, which is a, it's a pizza joint, and they have absolutely amazing experimental flavors. And they also have great, I think it's sourdough pizza. They're pretty well-known for their, for their sourdough mm-hmm. pizza. Mm-hmm. So there those are three, but there's, oh, there's so many. There's so many. Yeah, we get the seed and mill halva, not not the soft serve, but the halva you can get in Seattle. And it's oh, so cool. good. It's like, that's like my standard gift for my dad, who's like a halva fiend, but I love it too. Wait, Matthew, where do you buy it? They have it at Volunteer Park Cafe. That's where we get it. Oh, nice. Okay, good to know. So I have cousins in Seattle. I went to UW for a semester to study ethnomusicology. Also recorded my the Empire Postcards, the last album, in, in the throes of COVID in 2020 in Seattle. Oh! Yeah. I didn't leave the my Airbnb, but I did order ice cream in. You guys have good ice cream. What Do you remember any, any Seattle favorites? So I have, I have a confession. Yeah. I have a lot of Seattle musician friends. And I, in yeah. fact, I have one friend who worked at Molly Moon. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So I have a soft spot for them. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. good Filipino place that does Hollow Hollow down in like South... Seattle. Yes, I know the place you mean, and I don't remember the name either, yeah. but I'm going to look it up. They have they make baked goods and Hollow Hollow. And I know we're talking about soft serve, so I'm really sorry, listeners, but I have to just do a shout out for Hollow Hollow. So what it is, is it's it's ube ice cream, usually, sometimes taro, usually ube. So it's like, imagine it's like bluish, purple, violet ice cream. Then they sometimes put cereal on the bottom, shaved ice, jackfruit, other kinds of like chewy fruit usually pickled or preserved and then they'll often put coconut milk or syrup on top of it it's insanely sweet also despite my earlier caveats but it's like <laughs> growing up in hong kong there's a there's a large filipino population and it's very much like a madeline proust thing for me it's it's a mm. delicious fun thing to share with many people because it's usually quite large 50% ice cream, 50% other stuff right matthew we'll have to go share one yes absolutely we're gonna we're gonna track this down cool Tell me about the, the boba soft serve at uh, Jin Futang. Yes. On paper, you'd be like, why hasn't anybody else done this? And the answer is people have done this, but not as well as these guys. Yeah. So there used to be a shop called Parbati that would have essentially the problem with boba, as you know, it gets hard fast. And so Xing Fu Tang's claim to fame, and they're famous. They've overtaken tiger milk for, for the crown 
place in New York heart is that they are very, very lavishly um, making fresh boba with molasses as you walk in in this like gold hammered bowl. Yes, your eyes are getting bigger. <laughs> wow! It's like, it's, remember how we got all excited when I was a kid about Krispy Kreme? You can like, oh my God, you can see the conveyor belt. And you're like, yes. this is it. Yep. We've reached peak donut. We reached peak <laughs> boba. Because you walk in and there's this gold bowl and it's usually a young teenager is like scooping this stuff and you're like, this is like Willy Wonka. And so it's it's really molten hot boba. And then they put the soft serve, which is very subtle, on top of it. So it's like a sundae in reverse. And you're eating the soft serve and you get to the bottom and you scoop a little bit of that boba, which has now gotten to the perfect temperature by the time you've gotten to it with the molasses brown sugar. It's amazing. Oh my God. And what do you, what do you think is the flavor of the soft serve itself? You know, it's supposed to be, I think, some sort of like tea flavor. But mm-hmm. to be honest, like this is the pro- this is the one like caveat I'll have to most of the boba. I'm I'm like push it more. You can you can mm-hmm. push it a little bit more. I think it's like a milk soft serve, but I could be I could be like a tea milk. But I think it's just a milk flavor. But they can push it more. But it's still amazing. Oh my god, that sounds incredible. They'll brulee the top too if you get the normal boba without the soft serve. They will brulee a, a foam on top with the metal ring and everything for like seven bucks, which in New York is like how much a pizza costs <laughs> now. Yeah, that's a pizza. Oh my god, that sounds incredible. It's pretty awesome. John, tell us about your record, Empire Postcards. I fucking love this record. Oh, that's so nice of you to say that. Um, The origins, I started writing this in 2019, and I am interested in collecting oral histories of Asian immigrants and immigrants in general. My mom is a Chinese history research historian at Rice University in Houston, and she's run this massive archive that she's been doing for 10 years. Like, There's like 400 stories of Asian Americans, mostly in Texas, and their stories. And what she focuses on is like, what was it like when you came here and what was your life like in the U.S.? I am really interested in origin stories. I think for a lot of immigrants, you you have parents who or grandparents who don't tell you exactly why they, they came. Mm-hmm. Or if they tell you why they came, they don't tell you how. If you are from Southeast Asia, for example, Vietnam or Cambodia, the stories of your parents, they're, they're often really harrowing. And if you're, in yeah. my case, my grandparents, they lived through the Second World War, so they're really tough. And I got all these, so I started collecting stories with, starting with my family, and I had more and more of them. And as you start talking to the immigrants, you start to hear more about their daily lives. You hear about their fears, their loves, their hopes for their children, why they came, their love of America in many cases, their fears and com, uh, concerns about America. And that was 2019, and we were in the throes of Trump. And I was like, this is a side of Asian Americans, not only in terms of the breadth of countries, but also the experiences that maybe I didn't see that much represented. And not for better or for worse, you usually hear more about Northeast Asians. And you usually, mm-hmm. at least post-Trump, you heard a lot more about the identity and the model minority, which are all legitimate experiences, but not necessarily right. the the hopes and the dreams and kind of like why people came here and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is interesting. And also, also, there was a tinge of apocalyptic fear in that too, for, especially for those who had lived through a revolution like my grandparents or my, the interviewees who'd lived through like the Vietnam War or Cambodia. So all that was strolling my head and I'm like, I kind of want to write an album about this. I've never written something so personal before. I used to write more pop pop music. And I was also listening to a lot of like early Costello and PJ Harvey and like just angry new wave punky music because they were writing about that era of like 80s post Thatcher fear too. I'd always loved classic rock, being from Texas, and so I took a little bit of Costello or Richard Thompson from the over across the ocean. I took mm-hmm. a lot of punk from the U.S. and a little bit of Texas, 
like Lyle Lovett and Towns Van Zandt and all these guys. And I kind of tried to do my best to represent the stories I heard in an American vernacular. And I wanted to do it without doing specific proper nouns of like locations or time periods, because I kind of thought if these are American stories and you listen to Bruce Springsteen, he might name check Nebraska, obviously, but in general, right. these are just stories. They're stories of Americans. Mm-hmm. They don't, you don't have to name check anything to make it specific because these are universal experiences. Whether or not I succeeded, I don't know, but I was trying to get to that place where these are both American or universal stories. But if you're Asian, you're like, oh, maybe I can, I see myself in some of these songs. Oh my God. I love the origin story of your album. Thank you. No, like I can't, I can't speak like to the Asian American experience side of it, but like as like something that like melds like, you know, beautiful melodies and like kind of all of my favorite influences and like, you know, real like vivid stories, like it really works for me. Oh, thanks. So where can people find you online? You can find me online on Instagram. You can find my album on Spotify under John Sung, T-S-U-N-G. I also, if you're in New York, I do a fair amount of scoring for theater and some film and other things. My partner is a puppeteer, which is a thing you can only say. Awesome. I feel like in like New York, Seattle, (laughs) Portland, maybe San Francisco. I can't believe you didn't mention this earlier. (laughs) Well, if I do, then we would just talk about that the whole time. And that's, you know, that's true. That's true. And uh, I write for Eater which they've been kind enough to let me do gonzo weird, weird, weird things. Like, <laughs> oh, the, the last one I wrote was the Jewish Bakery, which if you guys haven't seen for New York as well. I went to, I forget, thir- I tasted like 33 different bakeries or more. It was, it was something crazy. And uh, my liver and kidney are still suffering for it. Through it. <laughs> yeah. I got a rabbi out of it. So, you know, it's a win. Shout out to Rabbi Josh. So, so yeah, so that was my latest adventure with Eater. These are all love stories and stories about food at the same time. And mm. that Eater lets me do this is kind of, I think, amazing. You can find me there too. All right. So we will, we will link to your page on Eater. We will link to the soft surf uh, story in particular. We will link to your album, Empire Postcards. John Sung, thank you so much for being on Spilled Milk. This was a blast. Thank you guys. That was amazing. Oh, I love talking to John. That was great. Thank you, John. Okay, let's talk about the McDonald's soft serve machine and its many woes. Okay, so uh, once again, this this machine is made by uh, Mr. Taylor. The Taylor, the Taylor Company, yeah. Okay, and uh, are Taylor machines good? Uh, they are bad. Oh, so I actually have a bit of memory lane. Like it's just like the same memory lane that everyone else has, which was at one time the family we were in New York in the summer. We were like, we could really go for some ice cream right about now. Oh, hey, there's a McDonald's. They have soft serve. And we went in and the soft serve machine was broken. We did not know at that time that the soft serve machine is usually broken. I didn't know this un- until you uh, until this episode. Right. So uh, we'll link to a CBS News article about this. This was much talked about a few years ago. Uh, somebody made a uh, a website where you can check like which of your local McDonald's have a working versus broken soft serve machine at mcbroken.com. Wow. Oh, I love that. Uh, Wendy's once poked fun at McDonald's in a tweet. Uh, they said, quote, where the things that should be fresh are frozen and the things that should be frozen are out of order. Pretty, pretty good shade there. In the article, it says, now, just because a machine is down doesn't mean it's actually broken. It might just be going through its mandatory daily four-hour pasteurizing sequence. That is a great way to run a machine. Yeah. 
So soft serve goes by different names around the world. We mentioned soft cream in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called American ice cream in some places. The one that I didn't know about until I started researching this episode, which everyone in in Ireland and the UK knows, I think it was mentioned on Dairy Girls season three, is that uh, a popular treat uh, in that part of the world is a vanilla soft serve cone with a Cadbury flake bar inserted into it called a 99 flake. And Ah. I don't know why, where the 99 comes from, but the Guardian writes, quote, a 99 is nothing without a flake. That shattering finger gives gives depth <laughs> and body to the scummy, foamy ice cream and desiccated Wow! So, so <laughs> like someone, someone at the Guardian just woke up grumpy. Wow, that shattering finger. It's the, and that's the good part, scummy, allegedly. Scummy, foamy ice cream and desiccated cone. Like, yeah, the Guardian has been getting its soft serve in the wrong places. I mean, so when I first thought about this, I am someone who, like, every few years I'll encounter a flake bar and I'll be like, oh, flake bar, awesome, let's buy it. And then I start to eat it and I remember why I haven't had one for, like, four years. Is it a shattering finger? But I I can imagine how if you crumble it up, like, if it were properly crumbled into the soft serve. But I don't think it is. I think it's like. Well, just, I know. Just like inserted like like and you're that, taking a uh, core sample. That's what I don't understand about it, because it seems to me if you do go ahead and like shatter it and crumble it over your soft serve, you wind up with something maybe like not very good stracciatella. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what they call it. Not but, very NVG. And that, that's that's actually Italian for shattering finger. <laughs> you know, you know what shattering finger can lead to? Boneless hands. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, we, we talk about the boneless hands, like, it just in my house pretty often. No, you do. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Okay, Matthew, I think we should close this out with, uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners here in Seattle. Yeah. And um, I want to mention, you know, we mentioned Milk Drunk at the top of the episode, but we didn't mention Milk Drunk's older sibling, Homer. Okay, yeah. Which is an actual, like, sit-down restaurant in Beacon Hill uh, down the street from Milk Drunk. And Homer is where they first started serving, where where that restaurant group first started serving soft serve. Yeah. And you can get it there. The milk drunk soft serve is is impressive. Like it's it good. Is. And they have like six flavors at any given time in three machines. So you can like swirl them. We, even, we haven't even talked about the importance of swirling, that there's always like a, a – there, that the machine always has two sides, usually vanilla and chocolate, but whatever flavors they decide to serve. But then there's a middle handle that produces a perfect uh, swirl. twist of oh, swirl. It's brilliant. Them. It's brilliant. It is. Hey, you know, it occurs to me, is the stuff at Ikea soft serve or frozen yogurt? I think it is soft serve. We never really got into the difference between soft serve and frozen yogurt. Frozen yogurt has yogurt cultures. Soft serve doesn't. Otherwise, I think the process is the same. So, like, what about something like Menchie's or Pinkberry? Yeah, I mean, frozen yogurt, especially these days, is more likely to be non-fat or lower fat than, than soft serve, which... I'm I'm not into. I'm not into that either. I do love that flavor yeah. of frozen yogurt. And then they but make I, up for it. Like, you know, at a frozen yogurt place, they'll have, you know, 77 different toppings that you can shovel on. I don't love that. I, I don't either. I, I want to. I want to have like the heart of a child and keep it in a jar. Uh, <laughs> 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 but but I don't. So, okay, so do good. not alert the authorities. Okay. Is there any other place we want to mention here in Seattle? There's a couple more. There's there's Indigo Cow in Wallingford, which is like Hokkaido style soft cream that's inside uh, Yoroshiku restaurant. 
Japanese restaurant in Seattle. There's Matcha Man Soft Serve and Taiyaki in Georgetown, where they serve the soft serve in a fish-shaped cone made on like a taiyaki fish-shaped waffle maker. There is a taiyaki place as well in Bellevue Square. I wonder if they have... Maybe that's that's the, I've, that's I've only walked by yeah. it. Um, I wonder if they have soft serve as well. That's a good question. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like they go together really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Nana's Green Tea in South Lake Union that has definitely matcha and I think also hojicha soft serve. Oh, that that was really good. tasty. That I love that place. Good. Yeah. So so Seattle also having a bit of a soft serve renaissance. Indeed. All right. So, uh, Matthew, do we have any mail? We do. Is it it's, spilled? It's, mail? We have spilled mail. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, Abby always puts a note on uh, on our agenda that says, "If you can give me a nice, clean introduction to each segment, I'd be most grateful." And do we ever successfully do that? Uh, I would say like twelve percent of the time. Yeah. Shall I read uh, this mail Please from listener do. Taylor? My name is Taylor, and I just have to start by saying you are both great, and I love the podcast. Cooking always relaxes me, and the podcast does the same. During the American Cheese episode, you asked about foods that exist to give you a positive texture experience, and I immediately thought of iceberg lettuce. On its own, it doesn't really taste like anything, but on a burger or sandwich, it adds a wonderful crunch, especially if shredded. Yes, it does wilt if it's on a hot sandwich or a burger, but I think it gets the job done. Also, if you think about wedge salads, the lettuce is just the vehicle for the bacon and the blue cheese and really adds no flavor, but the crunch makes the salad so yummy. Also wanted to add that I'm a 90s baby and grew up bringing sandwiches to lunch every day and the American cheese truly made the meal. Anytime I'm getting a deli sandwich now, I immediately add American cheese without thinking. Perhaps this is comforting to me as it brings me back to my youth, but that's a deeper topic for a different day. Love you guys. Thanks. Taylor. Now, I love this letter from uh, from listener Taylor, but I have to disagree about the flavor of iceberg lettuce. I I do too. I feel that it has flavor and it has a great flavor. It's particularly sweet, I think, yeah, for lettuce. It's, it's great, but also it has like just enough of a hint of bitterness mm-hmm. so that it's not cloying. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we did a whole episode with friend of the show, Julia Tertian, That's right. about how much we love iceberg lettuce. Thanks, oh, listener Taylor. Thanks, listener Taylor. And um, happy sandwich eating to you. Oh, I, I hit your foot with my foot this time. Wow, We're really weird. turning things around. I have a now, but wow. It's called Initial D by Shuichi Shigeno, and it is a manga uh, Japanese comic series from the 90s and early 2000s about street racing. It is definitely the basis of the movie Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which is one of my favorite movies, and possibly the whole Fast and Furious series. I've been uh, reading it. uh, I I got a free trial of Kindle Unlimited, and it's on Kindle Unlimited, so I've been reading it for free. The premise is that uh, Takumi is an average 18-year-old kid in suburban Gunma Prefecture who works doing deliveries for his dad's tofu shop, but all of this delivery driving has somehow turned him into Japan's greatest street racer, despite the fact that he drives a modified Toyota Corolla. <laughs> so oh, it, they're, they're really, great. really fun. Like, despite the fact that they are street racing on mountains all day and all night, no one ever gets hurt in the entire series. <laughs> um, there is some problematic stuff because it was written by a dude about uh, kind of macho dudes in the 90s. And the female characters are not great, but it is very silly and fun. <laughs> 
great. Would you say the name and the author again? Initial D by Shuichi Shigeno. That's uh, S-H-I-G-E-N-O. Well, our producer is Abby Circatella. You can rate and review Spilled Milk wherever you get your podcasts. And you can hang out with other people who listen to the show at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. It's a uh, it's a supportive little corner of the internet where people talk about what they're snacking and other stuff. Great. Thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Something about how like we're, we're keeping it hot, 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 uh, like... Like like negative four degrees Celsius. That that hot. Okay, that's twenty five degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, you we just we just gave you like eight closing jokes there, and all of them are were absolute fire. I'm Molly Weisenberg. Celsius fire, and I'm and I'm <laughs> Celsius fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do have a lot of guilt about everything, including this interview. I'm going to go back afterwards. And be like, I should have said it better and slowed down and brought it back. We have a wonderful ed- uh, editor, uh, producer, editor named Perfect. Abby, who who will make all of us sound brilliant. Mm. Hi, Abby. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle.